Welcome back to the Darting Through the Faith podcast. I'm Father Sean Wilson. With me, as usual, is Julia Monin. Hola. Is that high? It is. It is. Yeah. It is? Yeah, it okay, is. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, you Should said hello. Like- <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Sorry. I was really like, like, is that? I don't know. It is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you, you did perfect. Great. You're Nailed Spanish. It. Perfect. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. You know, you know I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Barely German, but sometimes. No. Yeah. <laughs> Just a few words. Yeah, that like kind a few of phrases sound like German. That you say very confidently that yeah. kind of sound like German. Well, my husband and I speak a German that he and I can only understand. That's true. That is accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. The effects of marriage. That is one of the effects of marriage: is you understand each other. Uh huh. On a level that others perhaps don't. It's true. Yeah. I've witnessed you guys talk German to each other. I'm like, what is happening here? Well, we, this, and I don't know German, so at first I assume like, oh my gosh, this is kind of cool that they have the secret, co- like they both know German well enough to communicate. And then I realized like they're just saying gibberish yeah. and weird words yes. in weird places. Yes. Yeah. Accurate. So, but we understand what But you mean. understand what each other means. So it's kind of beautiful, but mostly weird. Yeah, that's good. That sums up a good marriage. Yeah. <laughs> And with that, we're done for today. Yeah. Go ahead and read paragraphs. Yeah. Whatever. That's right. <laughs> Figure the rest out. That's accurate, though. It's mm-hmm. We were formed, we were educated by the same uh, German instructor, so we got the same education, and we only retained the same very minimal right. <laughs> things. Right. Yeah. So, you know. Just enough to be wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> or dangerous, or communicate with each or other. Or neither. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, anyway. Shout out to all people who took German class at Botkins High School in the late 90s and early 2000s. Shout out to all of you. Mm, you know who you are. You know who you are. You could speak to German. We're speaking. That's right. <laughs> Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Nicht sehr gut. Not very good. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Mm. Anyway, how goes it with you? Oh, it's going swimmingly. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I crossed the mighty Mississippi yesterday. You did? I did. Yeah? Yeah. What did you do? Do you do like anything fun when you did actually um this is going to come as no shock or surprise <laughs> but so we were on a bus we went to the steubenville yeah. mid-america conference in missouri and we were coming back and it was just a really nice sunny day we just saw in the arch saw the basilica uh the relics of saint bernadette were there it was all kind of cool and uh and we took a different road than we had like when we went out there we came across like the highway bridge and this time we it was a different road that we crossed it was a little north of of the arch but our bus, you know, sat so high that, you know, sometimes those barriers on your bridge that you can't quite see over, especially mm-hmm. when I'm in my small car. Mm-hmm. So the view, like you could just like the road blocks, you mm-hmm. know, like the road, mm-hmm. what do you, you know, those like guardrails and mm-hmm. stuff, whatever mm-hmm. they are, but the cement mm-hmm. ones, like mm-hmm. they did not inhibit our view. Sure. So just going over it uh, was like magnificent. And even mm-hmm. the person I was sitting next to on the bus were just like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is spectacular. Mm-hmm. So um, what did we do as we crossed the mighty Mississippi, we were in awe of like its beauty, its power. <laughs> and then the person I was sitting next to, you know, we we're talking about the Mississippi. I was like, where's all this water come from? And mm-hmm. then I got into the, how, what drains into the Mississippi, you know, mm-hmm. like half the United States flows out through mm-hmm. New Orleans. I pulled out a map and was, yeah, mm-hmm. it was, of course, you did. Was, of course I did, mm-hmm. you know, to this person's credit, they seemed interested. I think they were, <laughs> But if they weren't, they did a really good job of humoring me. Mm-hmm. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. If you watch, I don't know. It is. It's like yeah. a little kid who's like really excited about showing you something and you're just like, oh, that's so great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank so, you, whoever you are, for mm-hmm. humoring him. Yeah. And you did have your map. That's no joke. Yeah. I, I took an atlas. Yeah. We were on a charter bus. I was right. not in charge of navigating. I right. was not driving the bus. Right. Yet. What the heck else am I going to bring? Yeah. <laughs> I could bring one book. Road Atlas. <laughs> Do they still make those? I think so. Yeah. I think so. How old is yours? 2014. So it needs it needs upgraded, to it's be honest. More recent than I expected it to be, though. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's like a it's like a eight and a half by eleven. So mm-hmm. you see, sometimes the road atlases are big. Oh yeah. So the the problem with the one I have is like it's not. Um, it doesn't get as much detail as you'd like, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, you kind of know everything, mm-hmm. but even like something that big, it's just the details as to where you're going. I was like, mm, it leaves, it's lacking a mm-hmm. little bit, mm-hmm. but maybe the poverty that I experienced from a road Atlas that is lacking is good for my soul. Maybe, maybe that's really, uh, <laughs> and the <laughs> thing is, you. yeah, but the, the smaller one, it actually, yeah fits in like luggage better, right? So sure. it's like pulling it out like right. it's like dad reading the newspaper yeah. Sunday morning. I imagine you coming on the bus with all your luggage and your backpack and like this huge road atlas is what I honestly was imagining. Yeah. So the one I have is, you know, like eight yeah. and a half by 11. It's actually so it's kind like, of disappointing to me. Well, you know what is funny <laughs> yeah. is that, uh, where were we? I don't remember, but somebody said, Father, God left you a little gift. What do you mean? Check what somebody left on the table. Somebody just left like an Illinois highway map. And the group knew me well enough to know like I would appreciate yeah, that. And right. I did. And you did. I did. Right. I've looked at said map. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the Lord showed his love in so many different ways. <clears throat> Mostly sacramentally in the Eucharist and in the word that was proclaimed. But also in just little gifts. Mm-hmm. A touch of a father's love. Mm-hmm. 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 In all seriousness. You guys listening, I'm talking to you now. Father Sean was just telling us about the amazing weekend, mm-hmm. and it did sound pretty amazing. Yeah, so praise yeah. God for all the goodness. Yeah, and thank the Lord. Yeah. It was beautiful. And even some guy named Randall showed up. Yeah. And that's great. Well, mm-hmm. I guess not really a guy, but... Um, uh, he, a male. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it, it just sounds like a good weekend. Mm-hmm. So praise it God. It was. Praise the Lord. And Okay. We should praise him in this podcast too, right? Say a little prayer. Gosh, I hope so. Yes, let's in do that. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for all that you do in our lives. We thank you for the way that you bring people together, especially on this this day. We thank you for the gift of husbands and wives, and we may ask that you may send your Holy Spirit upon us to guide us. And all those who are listening to this podcast, especially those who are married, those who are newly married, those who are grieving the loss of a spouse, those in uh, marriages experiencing trying times, and we ask that you may keep all married couples united in your love and growing towards holiness. We entrust this podcast this time into, into the Blessed Virgin Mary's hands and her spouse, St. Joseph, and into the intercession of Pope St. John Paul II, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we are talking about the effects and goods of marriage mm-hmm. today. This is paragraphs 1638 through 1654. So probably not surprisingly, where are we at in the catechism here? We're in the sacramental section, mm-hmm. which is the second part. And then, of course, the sacrament of marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first section is the effects of the sacrament. And then the next section is the goods and requirements of conjugal love, the sacrament of that. So some deep stuff here, maybe some tough teachings 
here in this section, maybe. Maybe. Some things that yeah. um, from the outside world get like a controversial look at, so right. to speak. So. But from the inside, the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. And I imagine as somebody who's married, like mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. like this is actually probably really beautiful things to mm-hmm. reflect upon. Like mm-hmm. the effects, like mm-hmm. you receive a sacrament, mm-hmm. right? What effects does it have on mm-hmm. you? Receiving the sacrament of marriage. How does that change you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's something really good to think about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the and so this is where this begins: the effects of the sacrament of matrimony. What are these graces of the sacrament? What are the actual effects of it? From a valid marriage arises a bond between the spouses, which by its very nature is perpetual and exclusive. Furthermore, in a Christian marriage, the spouses are strengthened and, as it were, consecrated for the duties and the dignity of their state by a special sacrament. So we have these graces we receive that we need for the sacrament to carry out our duties faithfully. Mm. So you think about that effect of, of a bond. And in the sacraments, oftentimes there's an immediate effect, right? There's a long-term effect, like what happens in the soul. You think mm-hmm. about like in in the Eucharist, like the long-term effect is we're nourished by God, right? We receive the body of blood, like literally food for our journey. But the immediate effect of uh, of the Eucharist is transubstantiation, right? The, the body or the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ, right? There's this immediate effect. Mm-hmm. So similarly in marriage, the immediate effect, like as soon as this couple exchanges their vows, mm-hmm. there is a bond that's forms between them. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like the long-term effects that happen like over time is the unfolding of the graces God gives a married couple to help them to live their marriage well. Mm-hmm. So that's this bond that is the, the first effect is the mm-hmm. primary effect in all marriages is there's this bond that is perpetual mm. and exclusive mm. Mm. perpetual i guess we mean until until death mm-hmm. Uh. Mm-hmm. so the consent by which the spouses mutually give and receive one another is sealed by god himself that is beautiful this is what's happening in the marriage bond in the actual sacrament of matrimony from their covenant this is the couple's covenant arises an institution confirmed by the divine law even in the eyes of society the covenant between the spouses and it is integrated into God's covenant with the man i loved this line authentic married love is caught up into divine love oh, oh, that's good it is but it's not just like it's not just like something we're saying to sound good. It, it comes from scripture. And I see mm-hmm. you've got your Bible open mm-hmm. to Ephesians chapter five. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that sometimes people don't like because it talks about wives be subordinate to your husbands. Mm-hmm. But what St. Paul uses in that is this analogy between the love of spouses and the love that Jesus Christ has for his church. Because mm-hmm. it also says in there, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. And you look at this like the love. So that's what it means that married loves gets caught up in divine love divine love, that the love that Jesus Christ has for the church and the church for Jesus Christ mm-hmm. is supposed to be the image of of, um, of spousal love. Mm-hmm. So there's a covenant that Christ forms with his church, right? This relationship, this bond, this um, just kind of yeah, this connection between Christ and his church and a covenant is similar to mm-hmm. a married covenant. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not just... Mm-hmm our love together, but it gets, it gets consumed into divine love. And if, mm-hmm. you know, if I had a whiteboard, I would pull out and talk about how it gets caught up in Trinitarian love mm-hmm. because that's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's not just like something nice to say, like it's caught yeah. up in divine love, but no, actually in scripture and mm-hmm. in St. Paul talks mm-hmm. about like one of the great um, images of of love is mm-hmm. Christ's love for the church, which mm-hmm. let me just go sidebar sure. that 
the lack of belief. There it is, right? The lack of belief. This is why I'm laughing. I, you've drawn this before. This I is have. the Trinitarian love. Is that, was that from here? Um, from this? I imagine since it's in my catechism and it's in your writing. Yeah, it's definitely. You can't explain this without drawing it. I want true. you to try to explain it without drawing it, without having a whiteboard. Okay. <laughs> First, let me, I have a lot of musings on this. Okay. Okay. So like, I think the, the, there's a parallel between the, how rampant divorce is in our culture and how little belief in God there is. Like, mm -hmm. I think atheism and divorce are sim similar symptoms, right? Cause if we don't, if we don't see marriage lasting, right. And if it's supposed to image God's love for us, mm -hmm. married love is, then we begin to doubt God's love for us, right? If it's supposed to, all right, um, God loves me just like mom and dad love each other. But then we see mom and dad actually not loving each other and they're going their separate ways, which, you know, sometimes it happens and it's a, and it's just a, it's the only possible way. But um, that says something about who God is, right? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, those are musings. Those are half-baked thoughts, but mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there's nothing about that in the catechism. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah. Well, no, but I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a rational train of thought yeah, there yeah, thinking yeah. about what God is. And again, going back to the fact that the covenant of marriage, the bond between the couple is supposed to be an image of the covenant of God, of Christ and his church. We mm -hmm. pray that in the archdiocese when we pray the vocations prayer. So praying it, you know, we're praying that at each and every mass and we're talking about mm -hmm. husbands and wives. They may really be the image of Christ's love for his church. And that's the call that husbands and wives are set up to. to. And mm -hmm. the fact that you're right, if our belief in God is lacking in some way, if if that relationship with God, if we're, if we're, if we're not fulfilling the duties of our covenant with God faithfully, then it will start to filter out to the covenants sure. that are meant to be a part of that mm -hmm. true covenant. Yes? And if we don't see the... Yeah, those, I think they... Right, you kind of talked about the other direction and that mm -hmm. I talked about, but they're both there, right? Right, like, exactly. They influence each other. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so thus the marriage bond has been established by God himself in such a way that a marriage concluded and consummated between baptized persons can never be dissolved. This bond which results from the free human act of the spouses and their consummation of the marriage is a reality, henceforth irrevocable, and gives rise to a covenant guaranteed by God's fidelity. The church does not have the power to contravene this, this disposition of divine wisdom. Okay, so this is a bond that can't be broken. broken. What, and I believe Jesus, what God joins together, man mm -hmm. must not separate, mm -hmm. right? right? If it really is sealed by God, mm -hmm. then how can we say otherwise? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful when your marriage is going well. Mm -hmm. But when things fall apart, it's like... Mm -hmm but I don't want that to be the case. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, And you can remember um, Jesus being questioned about this in his day, right? Mm -hmm. And being asked about divorce and, well, Moses wrote it in his law, right? right. That man could divorce his wife. And and um, Jesus's response to that is, it was because of the hardness of your hearts. I'll that, let you do that. Right, yeah. right. So um, from the beginning, man and woman and Jesus Jesus gives us that outlying. So again it's a hard saying and, and Jesus in scripture recognizes that it's a hard saying but also doesn't leave us sit in something that is less than what God really wants for us. Right. Does that make sense what I said? And that means Jesus will be there to support these guys, yes, right? Like right? like you don't have to do it on our own. It's like gosh, God places unreasonable burdens because da 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 da. Mm -hmm. Um he actually helps couples through this. Mm. Now it can be really hard if one of the people in the relationships actually relies on the help of Jesus and the other one 
you know, is indifferent. Mm -hmm. So that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a challenge. Yeah. And this, this does touch on that difficult situations and and how we are to approach them. And so we'll get to that here in a second, but, um, the grace proper to the sacrament of matrimony is intended to perfect the couple's love, to strengthen their indissoluble unity by this grace. They help one another to attain holiness in their married life and in welcoming and educating their children. Okay. So that was 1638 through 1641 there. So that talks about the grace that God gives a married couple, like the particular graces that Mm -hmm. come with each sacrament Mm -hmm. for a married couple. It's to live the marriage well. Mm -hmm. And I think it talks about this later in this, Mm -hmm. in this section. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. In 1642, Christ dwells with them, gives them the strength to take up their crosses and so follow him to rise again after they've fallen, to forgive one another, to bear one another's burdens and to be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ and to love one another with a supernatural, tender, and fruitful love. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the grace that God gives to be able to do all of those things, to forgive mm-hmm. one another, to love each other tenderly and mm-hmm. with a supernatural love, and to uh, to set them on their way after they've fallen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, what married couple doesn't say, like, give me some of that, yep. right? I yep. need that for my life. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Give me a double portion, actually, <laughs> yeah, Lord. Exactly, exactly. In the joys of their love and family life, he gives them here on earth a foretaste of the wedding feast of the Lamb. Your marriage is supposed to be a foretaste of heaven. Oof. Great. Oof. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm, okay. But no, it's just like, it's not going to be exactly like that because mm-hmm. um, it'll be perfect in heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would say we have the perfect marriage because mm-hmm. most people are honest. <laughs> right. <laughs> and not delusional. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. True. True. Well, like you said, these are beautiful ideas when, when things are going well yeah. in the marriage. And then, you know, when things get difficult and we're up or you have one, um, one of the spouses who is earnestly striving, the other who seems indifferent, then, then what? Right. Then what? Right. <laughs> um, so Again, the Lord loves us through all of these things and does have a then what. So we look to that as well. Um, the goods and requirements of conjugal love is the next section. So there's a tradition that comes from St. Augustine where mm-hmm. St. Augustine talks about the goods of marriage mm-hmm. because St. Augustine is um, is combating people who, who say the body is bad and only the spirit's good, which if the body's bad, that means marriage is bad. And so St. Augustine kind of talks about, well, what is the good of marriage, right? Marriage mm-hmm. is a good thing. It's given by Jesus. So what are the, the goods of marriage? So these three goods of marriage have have traditionally, since the time of Augustine in the three and four hundreds, been associated with marriage. So mm-hmm. it's indissolubility, uh, the fidelity, and then um, and then procreation. Mm-hmm. So those three. So it breaks down those three things, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. then and then the catechism talks about if these are the goods mm-hmm. of marriage, then there's actually a responsibility, a requirement of those who are married to live those out. Mm-hmm. In this section, that's talking about the unity and indissolubility. Why can I say that? Indissolubility. Indissolubility. Thank so you. Yeah. I guess for the, for our listeners, yeah. right? Indissolubility. If something's water soluble, it mm-hmm. means it can be dissolved. Mm-hmm. So indissolubility means unable to be dissolved. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a bond that exists between the two people that can't be broken. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. indissolubility, not soluble. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Didn't even have to get my dictionary out. That's sweet. Yeah. Well, you, you do enough marriage prep, and you're like, <laughs> let's talk about indissolubility, and yeah. people are cross-eyed. Like, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. 
I do this all the time. You don't. That, yeah. that should it, be. It is. It is. It's not funny. It is a, a truth of the reality that I can tell in speaking to you about this that you do marriage prep with couples. Sure. <laughs> you are educating them, and little old me is like living this covenant. I'm like, I should know more about this than what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for being such a good formator in marriage prep. I try. Yeah. I try. Um, thank you. And so they are in this section. There was a paragraph here that really, really struck me in 1644. They are called to grow continually in their communion through day-to-day fidelity to their marriage, promise of total mutual self-giving. This human communion is confirmed, purified, and completed by communion in Jesus Christ given through the sacrament of matrimony. It is deepened by lives of the common faith and by the Eucharist received together. I really liked this. I mean, my situation, both my husband and I are Catholic and received the Eucharist, mm-hmm. and so that isn't a cross that we've carried as a couple, that we are separate in the faith, but I know it's a cross that a lot of couples carry together, or a journey mm-hmm. that couples carry together. And there, there's a lot of beauty in this sentence, in that the human communion is confirmed, purified, and completed by communion in Jesus Christ. And also, it's deepened, I just love the way that was worded, deepened by the lives of common faith and by the Eucharist received together. And so Mm -hmm. couples that are able to share their faith in common receive the Eucharist, this deepening is even more, I don't know. Yeah. So I don't suggest doing this um, because it's just, it's a little weird, but... I, I get the sentiment mm-hmm. is that sometimes, and this is a rarely, it happens like there's some couples that every time they come to Holy Communion, mm-hmm. they come up together. Mm-hmm. And so they receive Holy Communion standing next to each other, mm-hmm. which is kind of, you know, in its own ways, it's 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 nice. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it it's always kind of like awkward in the communion line doing sure, that. But, sure. um, but I get the sentiment and it's like, I'm not going to tell you to stop doing that because that's kind of, sure. you know, it is. But sure. I wouldn't recommend starting to do that. Sure. Anywho. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it even that this paragraph kind of gets just at marriage and the difference between a natural marriage and a supernatural marriage and a sacramental marriage. Mm. So let's say like two Hindu people get married mm. and we would say they still have they're they're still married, right? Mm. Natural marriage existed before Jesus. Mm. But with Christ establishing marriage as a sacrament, it gets consumed up into God's love. And so that's the difference in a sacramental marriage. Mm-hmm. It shares in the love that Christ has for his church, mm-hmm. whereas a natural marriage does not share in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, civil marriage, right? The state gets involved in civil marriage is great. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all sorts of, and it, it does because it, it actually cares about society. That's a whole different topic. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. So natural sacramental marriage. Marriage exists before Jesus, so there's mm-hmm. natural marriage. That's mm-hmm. cool. But mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. want it to be consumed up into the love of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, let's have a sacramental marriage. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. And then it, the next paragraph talks about like polygamy is a no-go. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That was like surprising. I was like, oh, I guess we do need to say that, right? Right. I know. Yeah. I like, do we need to say oh, We do. There are places, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Right. Right. So this love is undivided and exclusive, mm-hmm. right? That's the point mm-hmm. is that it's this, you think about like Jesus doesn't have multiple churches. He has mm-hmm. one bride, the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. Our, if our love is really going to be that tender, that all encompassing mm-hmm. in a marriage, right? Mm-hmm. If the person's love is going to be like, you can't do that in multiple places. Mm-hmm. No polygamy. Right. Makes sense. The next section, several paragraphs talk about the fidelity of conjugal mm-hmm. love. This is actually quite a few paragraphs, 1646 through 1651. 
Um, by its very nature, conjugal love requires the inviolable fidelity of the spouses. This is the consequence of the gift of themselves which they make to each other. Love seeks to be definitive. It cannot be an arrangement, quote-unquote, until further notice. The intimate union of marriage as a mutual giving of two persons and the good of the children demand total fidelity from the spouses and require an unbreakable union between them. Mm. That's profound. It like is. the depths of love that married couples are invited into demands and requires that it's never, right? Mm-hmm. If there's not a like, unless I get a better offer, mm-hmm. right? Because how much how much can you really give give yourself to somebody if you're just on the lookout mm-hmm. for what, what could be next? Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. I loved the uh, this reality of love seeks to be definitive. Isn't that beautiful? It does. Man, that's like one of those things like, yeah, I really want to ponder that mm-hmm. <laughs> for a while. Not not just not just as it is between a husband and a wife, but just love. Like God right. is love, and what does that mean in terms of who God is and who we are? That it yeah. seeks to be definitive, mm. and this demand of total fidelity. Okay, and then why? Why we can't? Why are we just oh, saying yes. that? Right. This is followed up in sixteen forty seven. Why the deepest reason is found in the fidelity of God to His covenant, and that of Christ to His church through the sacrament of matrimony. The spouses are enabled to represent this fidelity and witness to it. So we rep- represent the fidelity that God has shown us, and the f- and witness to this fidelity through the sacrament. The again, say it for me. In- Indissolubility. Thank you. Of marriage receives a new and deeper meaning. I gave up grace. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's okay. So anyway, yeah. So there, there's the why. Why can we say this? That mm-hmm. that it that it demands this total fidelity. Well, because this is what God has shown us. Right. Mm-hmm. And even you know, we would say that natural marriage, like just from a natural reason, you can say that the love that it it takes to live a marriage demands um, indissolubility. Uh, it demands fidelity, right? Mm-hmm. That there's not going to be somebody mm-hmm. somebody else. So even like the church says if somebody's been you know married civilly and then gotten divorced and then wants to marry catholic right that that person is not free to marry Mm -hmm. because their original marriage involves a uh, a total commitment Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. right so we're getting to now the section where like okay this is all well and good when things are well and good right but what about when things are not well and good so 1648 says it can seem difficult even impossible to bind oneself for life to another human being this makes it all the more important to proclaim the good news that god loves us with a definitive and irrevocable love that married couples share in this love that it supports and sustains them and that by their own faithfulness they can be witnesses to god's faithful love Spouses who, with God's grace, give this witness, often in very difficult conditions, deserve the gratitude and support of the ecclesial community. Um, Right. So it is difficult, and that's why it's all the more important. Mm -hmm. Basically, like, yeah, and also, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's my quote for the podcast. Yeah. I'll have to go on the wall. (laughs) Right. That's a a winner. (laughs) Maybe we get that done before we even wrap up this podcast. But, um, you know, all the couples whose marriage I admire, if you get to talk to them about marriage, there isn't one of them that said it's been easy. Mm-hmm. I All of them say it's been tough, but it's mm-hmm. been worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can like, and that's just real. Mm-hmm. So I think anybody who thinks like it's going to be a piece of cake and mm-hmm. often you don't know how difficult it's going to be. It's like, yeah, we know it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. But then you get in those moments. It's like, <gasps> right. Mm-hmm. 
And exactly. And and yet, like their ability to persevere, and even like the knowledge of like, I know. Okay, we're having a rough patch, but I know this person isn't going anywhere because we told the Lord we weren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like that, that can actually keep some keep some working on the marriage because I know I know they're not seeking for the next best mm-hmm. option. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that, that keeps people persevering through mm-hmm. difficult times a lot. Mm-hmm. And again, this, this, is, this is reminding the world around us of the witness of God and his love for us. We're witnessing mm-hmm. to God's love and the way, right. times that we're unfaithful to God in our own lives, the times that, that we've left him in our own lives and all salvation history, and yet he's remained faithful to us. What's that um, horrifying analogy or prophecy that you told us about one time on the podcast in the Old Testament in the Rahab and the... Oh, Gomer. Gomer? In Hosea. The yeah. The book of Hosea. Yeah. And where he tells, uh, God tells Hosea to go marry Gomer, who's a prostitute. Mm. And he's like, why? Because then you'll know how it feels mm-hmm. with, you know, people mm-hmm. abandoning God mm-hmm. that now Hosea has to experience people abandon his wife, who mm-hmm. he loves, who he mm-hmm. cherishes, mm-hmm. go and abandon him mm-hmm. to other people. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I said it was horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, it's the reality of like yeah. the witness of, of marriage and that they're, they are hard. They are difficult. There are sin and infidelities and all of these things that happen. And yet when the couples are able to, by the grace of God, work them way through these, mm-hmm. then it witnesses to the way God loves us. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then continuing again, when things are difficult, like what happens when things aren't well and good? Yet there are some situations in which living together becomes practically impossible for a variety of reasons. Um, what, what could you give us some examples of what would be sure, a variety of reasons? Sure, like abuse situations, um, parts where people feel genuinely threatened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, then that's probably about as dramatic as mm-hmm. dramatic as it gets. But there are there are other things of just sometimes people, you know, like. Um, you know, somebody discovers somebody else has been unfaithful mm-hmm. and it's like, I, I don't want to sleep in the same room. I actually, I can't like mm-hmm. even look at you right now mm-hmm. and it's probably not good. Like we need some space mm-hmm. and then let's, let's kind of both settle down, process these things. Sometimes couples go to counseling together, even while they're not living together mm-hmm. and like, let's work through these things so that we can get back to a place where we trust each other enough to share our lives. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, dramatic would be fearful for physical safety, but then like infidelity or those things like, I don't want to look at you right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there actually is a formal separation in the church that people can, people can request. Mm-hmm. Um, now to separate, you don't need to do that, but, mm-hmm. um, there is, there is one. Um, I don't think anybody's ever asked me to. So mm-hmm. anywho, mm-hmm. uh, but those are reasons why. Mm-hmm. So that would be like a long-term separation, like in the, like an abusive thing or something where like yeah. I can't like physically live with this person. You but, know, like yeah. the one the church like formally yeah. recognizes. Yeah. I don't know because I've okay. never really, I remember re- learning sure. about it in class, but right. nobody's really asked for it. So it's sure. like it, out of sight, out okay. of mind. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is the reality that the church would not require you to remain in a situation where there is danger at play, right? right. That's what this is saying. There are situations in where the church would permit the physical separation of the couple and their living apart. Okay. Um, the spouses do not cease to be husband and wife before God and so are not free to contract a new union. In this difficult situation, the best solution would be, if possible, reconciliation. The Christian communion is community is called to help these people live out their situation in a Christian manner and infidelity to their marriage bond, which remains indissoluble. Thank you. Gotcha. So again, difficult and yet beautiful in that this takes you to the cross 
quite naturally and conforms you to our crucified Savior. And again, in these difficult situations, if it's done in in fidelity to God and the church and this bond that exists, you are witnessing dramatically to the love that Christ has for his Mm -hmm. church. Dramatically. You are hanging on that cross with him. Right? And yeah. The one thing that really struck me, the Christian community is called to help these persons live out their situation in a Christian manner and in fidelity to their marriage bond. When situations happen like this, the couple that separates is normally embarrassed, right? Because, you know, whatever whatever mm-hmm. happens, like this isn't this isn't the way they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and and who knows how like people don't talk to me about these things, but I know they're embarrassed because they think people are talking about them. Mm-hmm. Right? And so is the Christian community really offering their love and support to people who are going through difficult times? Or for all of our listeners, like, let's just be real. Are we gossiping about it? Is it like, oh my gosh, how are, you know, like mm-hmm. there has to be this love of care and concern for these people who are going through difficult times. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that means the couple to be vulnerable and allow the Christian community to support. And maybe that means the Christian community needs to be not so judgmental and to say, yeah, the catechism talks about people needing time to separate. Mm-hmm let's not point fingers or let's Mm -hmm. not think we know everything Mm -hmm. and maybe we should all deal with our own skeletons in the closet too. (laughs) So anyways, and I'm not like accusing anybody or anything Mm -hmm. like that, but I know the fears that people have. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know sometimes my own, how my own mind works. Mm -hmm. Right. And you go like, all right, let's, Mm -hmm. let's, uh, let's stop that train of thought because that's Mm -hmm. not the way Christ wants you to think. So, Mm And, and two, to like to help them live in this fidelity. So they're forced into this separation. It's painful. It's it, embarrassing. It's embarrassing right? yeah. and everything. But Expensive. Re- oh, my goodness. Yeah, right? <laughs> On top of everything else. But to remind that couple of the beauty of, of remaining faithful in that time, right? Mm-hmm. I, anyway, just that's our job as the Christian community. Okay. Word. All right, and then 1650 talks about, you already kind of touched on this, so the civil divorce and that reality, um, Jesus Christ, whoever divorces his wife and marries another, commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. So the church maintains that a union cannot be recognized as valid if the first marriage was. So if you're in a valid marriage, the first marriage is valid, then you can't civilly divorce and enter into the new marriage. All right. Um, so if the divorced are remarried civilly, they find themselves in a situation that objectively contravenes God's law. Again, go back to that reality that this bond has been created and that it's not within the church's power to dissolve that bond if it's mm-hmm. a valid valid marriage. Consequently, they cannot receive Eucharistic communion as long as this situation persists. For the same reason, they cannot exercise certain ecclesial responsibilities Reconciliation through the sacrament of penance can be granted only to those who have repented for having violated the sign of the covenant and of fidelity to Christ and who are committed to le- living in complete continence. Continence. Thank you. I almost said countenance. That's okay. Yeah. So let's, let's break this down. Sure. Right. So somebody is married in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Goes south. They get divorced mm-hmm. and then they decide they want their start dating somebody else. First and foremost, I would not start dating anybody else while you're married to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what Jesus talks about that, about mm-hmm. committing adultery. So they marry somebody else civilly because they can't get married in the church. Right. If they come to me and say, Hey, we're engaged to get married. I say, you already married to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So you can't marry somebody else. Mm-hmm. So since they can't get married in the Catholic church, sometimes people will go to a different Christian church. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, like 
in all honesty, doesn't follow the law of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? If you're letting somebody get married who's is already married to somebody else, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Jesus says otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, or they get married in the courthouse or in a beach or in some mm-hmm. venue, right? Mm-hmm. Not in the Catholic church, mm-hmm. right? What the catechism says is they find themselves in a situation that objectively contravenes God's law. Mm-hmm. So let's say objectively. So just, just looking at the letter of the law, it's not the way Christ intended things. Now, subjectively, like their own person, so many different things happen in mm-hmm. somebody's life, right? You might not know any better, right? Or you might have strayed from the Catholic faith for 25 years mm-hmm. and you just didn't know any better. Or you might have repudiated your Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you realized, like, I was arrogant and I didn't know any better, and I, right? And all those things. So, because gone outside, right? Basically, and what marriage is, marriage is always a public act, right? Uh, People are invited to marriages. It's on the the record books in a city because marriage is a public act. So when somebody who's Catholic gets married outside of the church, they're publicly stating that the Catholic church and marriage in Christ's church is not important to them, right? And that's whether it's... they're object like they're actually saying that, but that's what the actions are saying, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm abandoning my Catholic faith because this is this is what I want, mm-hmm. and and those sorts of decisions have consequences, right? Mm-hmm. And because um, the Eucharist is the sign of God's ever faithful love for us, right, and that He's always going to be with us in the Eucharist, and somebody's objective life is saying I'm separating myself from that and I'm going a different way is why they can't receive. Holy Communion, mm-hmm. right, is because they've separated themselves from the church. It's not mm-hmm. the church kicking them out. Mm-hmm. It's not the church um, being mean or anything like that. It's like we're just simply recognizing that you've thought this was more important, so we're going to let you We're go, go that way, mm-hmm. right? You have free will, mm-hmm. but it has consequences, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you've publicly in your marriage gone away. So when we're here in public you shouldn't present yourself for Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. Not fun conversations to have, mm-hmm. right? Um, and ecclesial responsibilities. So if somebody wants to apply to be a permanent deacon, but they're in this marriage situation, like, sorry, that's not that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can receive reconciliation mm-hmm. through the sacrament of penance to only those who have repented, who mm-hmm. actually say, like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have done that, mm-hmm. and intend to live continently. So that means not engaging in sexual relations with their spouse because they're actually married to somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you want to talk about a cross, right? And people who do that, but it's transformative. I've Mm -hmm. met people that have done that, and Mm -hmm. boy, howdy, they will grow close to Christ Mm -hmm. in those moments if that is their their hope Mm -hmm. or if that's their goal. Mm -hmm. So... um, and you know, sometimes couples fall in that, right? They, They make this commitment to live continence, and then they don't, okay? Um, well, that's why we have the sacrament of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, not mm-hmm. easy conversations, but they actually, they really logically follow. Mm-hmm. And I know there are things that people hear and they're like, what that Catholic church is so mean. Mm-hmm. But remember, we're calling everybody to be saints, right? Mm-hmm. The Catholic church exists so that people become saints mm-hmm. and Jesus gives us the path mm-hmm. towards being saints. And it's not the church making things up. It's like, Jesus gave us this path. Mm-hmm. How are we going to get there? Mm-hmm. And let I'll, we'll help you along. And, you know, I don't know if there's a whole place for a declaration of nullity and what that actually means and all that. Maybe it's not even in this part. I don't know. It's not in what we just read. It's not, but I don't think it's in the catechism at all. So maybe just a, a word about 
a declaration of nullity is not a Catholic divorce. It's declaring something was null, right? So declaration of nullity. It's the church recognizing that something in the marriage was never there from the start. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's all sorts of extreme examples of people, people get um, pregnant and they're like, well, I guess we have to get married, right? Mm -hmm. And so they, they just get married because they're, they're pregnant. And you'd say, well, Sometimes it, it works out fine, but sometimes it's like there's this great pressure mm -hmm. um, to to get married. And I've I've heard I've heard um, stories of uh, of somebody who was who is expecting a child, like her her and her boyfriend, and um, and the priest said, "Well, let's not get married right away, right? This you're getting forced into this relationship, and like, do you guys really want to get married?" and so they left the priest, and then the the woman's father came in and said, "You're going to marry these this couple before the child has," and like really gave it the old strong arm. Mm -hmm. And you know the priest relented and said they got married, and it was just it was horrendous, right? Mm -hmm. It was it was it was really hard marriage. Um, so, um, so the, the the declaration of nullity is saying that the like the marriage wasn't valid to begin with, right? At the time the, of consent, mm -hmm, right when mm -hmm. the couple exchanged their vows mm -hmm. for whatever reason, right? Mm -hmm. We felt forced into this, mm -hmm. or I was completely immature, mm -hmm. or I had a terrible home life, and this person loved me, and mm -hmm. I whoever it was, mm -hmm. I just wanted to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that's what a declaration of nullity is. Mm -hmm. Different from a divorce is to mm -hmm. say this marriage never existed, mm -hmm. right? And Jesus actually gives us that clause when he says, "Unless the marriage." Marriage is unlawful, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So, like, there's one extreme. Let me just give the other extreme: mm -hmm. is that I've met people who um, somebody receives a declaration of nullity, right? They go through all the that the church mm -hmm. asks, which is quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And then some people say, "Well, I don't believe in a second marriage in the church, so I'm not going to go to their wedding," right? I've had people have mm -hmm. this conversation with me about this, mm -hmm. like. Okay, I get that you you believe marriage is forever, mm -hmm. but if the church mm -hmm. has scrutinized this person's first or this attempted marriage and thought there wasn't a marriage here at the start mm -hmm. and is now okay with them getting married, mm -hmm. like let's just back off a little bit and let's tone down the mm -hmm. the know it allness. Mm -hmm. um, so, Padre Wilson giving it to us straight. Yeah. <laughs> so right, yeah. like you know, and some people right, like I don't believe in second marriages mm -hmm. and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's not. The mm -hmm. first one was declared null. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah, I know there's a whole yeah. lot to do, and there's particular situations. Yeah. But if you are civilly married, right? You're mm -hmm. Catholic. You've been divorced. You haven't gotten married in the church. I guess first and foremost, like read the sacred scripture, what mm -hmm. Jesus has to say, and know that his words are healing, mm -hmm. right? That ultimately what he wants to do is to heal us, right? He wants to transform our hearts. He doesn't want to condemn us. So just to know like the way of Christ is one to heal, is one that, that soothes, is one that consoles us, mm -hmm. okay? So that's the first thing. Just know that Jesus loves you. Mm -hmm. And then from there to say, okay, now what do I need to do in my life? And maybe it means you don't go to communion, right? Mm -hmm. Because you realize, oh my gosh, this is a public thing that mm -hmm. I did that I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So probably a sense of repentance. Mm -hmm. And then like this whole continence thing. Mm -hmm. And that actually probably takes two people to have a discussion. Mm -hmm. right? so you probably like talk to your spouse, mm -hmm. whoever it is, and say, look, this is, this is what Jesus says. Mm -hmm. And this is what the church is saying. And mm -hmm. that's what this crazy priest on a po podcast is talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and to have that conversation, mm -hmm. and we can talk, right? Mm -hmm. Like, or if you you don't live anywhere nearby, 
talk mm-hmm. to your parish priest. Mm-hmm. You know, we all want you to be saints. That's mm-hmm. the goal. That's why, that's why we're here. We want to help people get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. so not easy things, mm-hmm. but man, I've, I've seen couples that have lived this well. Uh, and like they actually, um, they actually did this and that whether, it, whether it was they, um, you know, they went through the declaration of nullity process. I had one, one person wrote the tribunal to thank the tribunal for the declaration of nullity process because she got so much healing in revisiting the, the, you know, the, the relationships. I was like, I bet they don't get many of those letters. <laughs> like she asked me, like, can I do this? I was like, do it. Uh-huh. Right. Sure. They, it would probably make somebody's life. Right. Um, right. And so couples have come in in so many different things, situations like this. And, um, first of all, I'm amazed at the receptivity. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell the Lord's at work and really mm-hmm. wants this for him. Um, and, and the humility, but also the way it's a bit able to trans like to purify love and even to like have healing from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing, mm-hmm. but marriage, we've talked about this the whole time is not easy, right. but the Lord like, psh- Right. He really loves married couples. It can seem difficult, even impossible. This makes it all the more important. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. And what you've been saying too about like from the outside looking in at these couples who are in difficult moments and like what our responsibility is as a Christian community to walk with people and journey with people through this, right? right? In this non-judgmental, in this now, hold on a second, right? Right. If the church declared it null, then it's null. It never existed, like, right? So these are good reminders for those of us walking. And I think this next paragraph actually... um, Kind of set the stage for that as well. Toward Christians, this is 1651, toward Christians who live in this situation, who often keep the faith and desire to bring up their children in a Christian manner, priests and the whole community must manifest an attentive solicitude so that they do not consider themselves separated from the church in whose life they can and must participate as baptized persons. So towards Christians who are in these difficult marital situations, who are choosing to live within like the perhaps physically separated from one another or what you're talking about with these other conditions, then we, the whole community, must manifest an attentive, like must say, okay, we, we're in this together, yeah. people, right? We're going to walk with you so that they don't feel separated from the church because they're not. Right. They're not separated from the church. Okay? Right. Um, they should be encouraged to listen to the word of God, to attend the sacrifice of the mass, to persevere in prayer, to contribute to works of charity and to community efforts for justice, to bring up their children in the Christian faith, to cultivate the spirit and practice of penance, and thus implore day by day God's grace. Right. Okay. Right. Mm. Okay. Anything else with that? No, I think we got one section left, right? The openness to... To fertility. I guess, I, you know what, you have a beautiful ministry. We have a beautiful ministry at our parishes with, um, is that still active, that divorce, uh, what to do after divorce? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what is it called? So, Surviving yeah, Divorce. Surviving Divorce. Yeah. Yeah. So like a session of classes and series that you can walk with people through. I think ours the- normally starts in February and it'll like run through May. Okay. So it's like 10. And mm-hmm. yeah, you think about all the pain that exists mm-hmm. in 
mm-hmm. after going through a divorce, right? You feel mm-hmm. like a failure. You mm-hmm. feel like, how mm-hmm. could this happen? I never thought this would happen to me. Mm-hmm. And all that, like there's a whole, there's a grieving process. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. And then people get angry because lawyers get involved mm-hmm. and that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, lawyers are wonderful people, most of them, mm-hmm. but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just expensive and it's rigmarole mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Mm-hmm. there's a lot to talk about mm-hmm. and it can feel really lonely. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, surviving divorce. Um, okay. So then the next three paragraphs is the openness to fertility. Um, by its very nature, the institution of marriage and married love is ordered to the procreation and education of the offspring. And it is them in them that it finds its crowning glory. Okay, so we're, again, you're talking about like the goods. Saint, so Saint Augustine's mm-hmm. the goods, and now we're talking about the fertility, the procreative good yep. of marriage. Okay, um, okay. Right, and in 1653 talks about like how it's not just biology of having kids; it's the fruitfulness of conjugal love extends to the fruits of the moral, spiritual, and supernatural life that parents hand on to their children by education. Parents are the principal and first educators of their children. In this sense, the fundamental task of marriage and family is to be at the service of life. Mm. So, mm. right, it's this like couples, like not just turned in on their own love, but mm. actually then to be a team mm. and together raise children, or mm-hmm. a child or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Like there's this task of bringing forth life mm-hmm. and not just in a biological way, but actually bringing forth life in a spiritual way, right? Of like literally parents being the f- spiritual educators of their mm-hmm. of their children, but even like the moral, right? To make sure there's proper character formation. And all of those things you learn at home, mm-hmm. right? You could send people to school, you can send them to CCD, but you learn how to pray from watching your parents pray and you mm-hmm. learn how to forgive by witnessing your parents forgive each other mm-hmm. or you learn how to be forgiven by going to them and saying, hey, I'm sorry, mom, mm-hmm. I screwed up. Mm-hmm. And all these things, right? You learn how to be generous. You learn how to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. So whether it's the spiritual or just the natural life mm-hmm. that the Lord invites us to live, you first learn that and best learn that at home. Hmm. Right. Okay, and then this wraps up again with another Another cross, right? Another reality. Spouses to whom God has not granted children can nevertheless have a conjugal life full of meaning in both human and Christian terms. Their marriage can radiate a fruitfulness of charity, of hospitality, and of sacrifice. So again, these these difficult realities that we're talking about when we're mm-hmm. talking about the effects and the goods of marriage and all that comes with it. Like we talked in the beginning, when all is well and good, this is all and well and good. Right. But when things are difficult, then things are difficult. <laughs> um, and so again, difficult and yet all the more important to um, to what? To pick up the cross? Mm-hmm. To allow it to conform us to him? To be a witness of what it really means to love? Like what is true Christian love? What is that self-sacrificial love that went to the foot of the cross Cross. that went to the cross itself. Um, Remember last time we were talking about like examining our consciences and we need to examine them at the foot of the cross. Like Mm -hmm. that's what love is supposed to look like. Yeah. That's what love is. And how is my life, my marriage, the the crosses that are finding me with, I'm overly fertile and, and have so many kids overwhelmed. Rabbit. Yeah, exactly. To, to the other reality, the other extreme, like what, where is the, where is the cross and all of that? And how can we conform our lives to his? Right. So, And even like you talk to couples, like nobody, nobody anticipates that they're going to have struggle to conceive mm-hmm. a child, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just, it's just kind of one of those things you, I, I don't know, maybe there's always a little bit of worry. I know one, 
couple I was talking to about their marriage, you know, we just kind of just, it came up Mm -hmm. and like immediately I could see like people just start crying. I was like, Mm. what's going on and you know mm. they've got friends family mm. situations mm-hmm. whatever that have experienced and it touches something deep inside mm-hmm. but it is like a real it is a real cross that couples experience mm-hmm. and even you know it could also be like two people get married in their 50s right and they're they're past childbearing age and unless something miraculous happens they're not gonna they're not gonna have a child so they're they have that same call you know it's mm-hmm. um that's kind of you anticipate that whereas mm-hmm. a couple you know in their 20s that are getting married they kind of mm-hmm. generally anticipate having children at least mm-hmm. the ones i i've worked with mm-hmm. so what do you do if if not mm-hmm. and like just a little like post roe versus wade plug is that the opportunity to become foster parents or the opportunity to adopt children mm-hmm. is is a real need out mm-hmm. there. Now, granted, it's insanely expensive, and I don't know why it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I'm not in mm-hmm. that that kind of day to day life, but mm-hmm. but it is. Um, but I know foster parenting is is really important. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I asked this one family one time that I ran across. Um, they had a bunch of children that they had adopted, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we're talking like more than four. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I just, I, you know, I just had a, a brief moment with one of the parents and I said, you know, what's the story, right? Like, how did you get to this place where you're adopting all these kids and welcoming mm-hmm. them? He said, well, we couldn't have kids. So this is, this is what we decided to do. Just so matter of fact and nonchalantly, mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't go from not having kids to being able to welcome so many into this world, like, mm-hmm. and to make your home, their home, like mm-hmm. just and maybe it just kind of happens, mm-hmm. right? And you know, mm-hmm. when when God gives you a generous heart, you just kind of keep saying yes. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just thought that was very funny. It was like, yeah, we couldn't have kids, so here we are with a house full. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's more to that uh, yeah, story. <laughs> like, there's got to be more because yeah. and but it's it's an important thing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Ah, oh, golly. Yeah. Mm, to the cross, friends. Sure. I mean, right? That's what love is. That is what love is. Christ gives us the perfect example of what love is. And marriage is no joke. And anybody that's telling you it's like a joke and rainbows and butterflies and just do it. Yeah. Talk talk to some better people. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. It's just, it's not, but it's, it's not a joke for a reason. Like it's Mm -hmm. hard and it's difficult for a reason. It must be really where it's meant to really witness to the self-sacrificial love that Christ Mm -hmm. won for us on the cross. And if it's really supposed to witness to that, then guess what? It's not going to be easy. Right. So, right. Right. So this happens regularly where people like, father, thank you so much for offering your life to be a priest. And thank you so much for the sacrifices Mm -hmm. you make. I'm like, I've been around married couples. I think I got the easy one. <laughs> like, I like right. seriously. Right. I mean, right. I are the sacrifices look very different. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, right? Like, I went on that long trip to Steubenville, and tonight when I get home, I can go to bed at eight o'clock, and there won't be kids that like need to take care of, and they're like need me or anything. It's like I can right. So there's, mm-hmm. it looks different. Granted, we all have our own sacrifices. I had to get up and offer a funeral mass today. So mm-hmm. like it all, mm-hmm. like, but mm-hmm. I guess to all our married couples out there. Don't underestimate how much you guys love each other and take, take, go to the cross, right? And let that cross transform you. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, joy comes through that, right? Mm-hmm. It's the only path to heaven. It's the only mm-hmm. path to joy. The only path to being a saint mm-hmm. is through the cross. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But boy, when those moments, when those nails are being driven in, mm-hmm. woof. Yeah. <laughs> woof. 
<laughs> we've had a lot of really great mm, use of words and yeah. noises on this and it's even today. at like a loss of words that it is. it's like what do you say what well let's you? just make a guttural sound yeah that's right right oh there's beauty there's beauty in the cross and there's beauty in that and again if the vo- if this is the vocation the lord has called you to and this is the vocation you've entered into through the sacrament sacrament of holy orders yourself sacrament of matrimony myself then those graces are there mm-hmm. to live it faithfully yeah so and sometimes we got to clear out the junk so that get we can that, receive them, right? So go to the sacrament of reconciliation, go to penance. Yes. And allow the Lord to place a new heart in you. Mm. All right. Okay. Call Father Sean if you have questions. <laughs> I'm serious. You can I call mean, me too, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, the marriage covenant by which a man and a woman form with each other an intimate communion of life and love has been founded and endowed with its own special laws by the creator. By its very nature, it is ordered to the good of the couple, as well as to the generation and education of children. Christ the Lord raised marriage between the baptized to the dignity of a sacrament. Okay. Dope. All right, where are we going? I'm not sure. Where do you want to go? I'm just thinking, is there like a... Hi there. Sorry for the technical difficulties. We lost the audio at the end of this episode. Father Sean's dart landed on the topic marriage, celebration, and consent, which covers paragraphs 1621 through 1637 in the Catechism. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode.